0: Film Rage presents Verbal Masturbation with Bryce and Jim. In this edition of Verbal Masturbation, we talk to director of A Life on the Farm, one Mr. Oscar Harding. Let's see if he has something to show us.
1: Oh, welcome, sir. How are you doing from the fine city of it's Milwaukee? That's the one. That's the Beer one. And cheese,
2: the nice. Dairy cheese, state. I'm uh, very well, thank you.
1: That is fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, perhaps tell our listeners just um, a little bit about where they can find you and your film, and um, and just yeah, just tell us a little bit where they can find you online.
2: Absolutely. I'm going to start off by saying that that intro music just fucking slaps. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I want those as my new ringtone. That's sick. Certified banger. Um, but yeah, where to, where to find us? So um, you can find us on... I love giving out all the different usernames because you can't have the same one. Apparently no. Life on the Farm is a little bit too generic. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, which no one uses anymore, you'll find us on doc. Have fun remembering that. Yeah. Twitter, you will find us on a life on the farm. Oh, nice. Oh, I got that one. And then Sweet. Instagram, it's Sondabar Picks. So that is my production company with my two partners. Um, because who doesn't want to have multiple usernames going across all the different social exactly. platforms? You know, Make we, it exceptionally difficult to find us. We
1: were we were very lucky because we started having different ones, and then somehow I was able to steal Film Rage YYC. No one has it but us.
2: Okay, no one has told me this, and I guess because I'm not Canadian, I, I don't understand it, but why does everyone refer to Calgary as YYC?
1: You know, it's a, it's funny, because we're, we're probably one of the only cities that do this. I don't know why. It's like Calgary took this and owned it, and it's because we became, I think, an international um, airport back a few years ago, and when we did, it was like, fuck yeah, look at us go. We're the world, baby, and then it's like we just want to brag about the fact that we got YYC and we're international. That's the only thing I can guess about it.
2: <laughs> it's like, I would have taken CL and confused everyone trying to go to California. Yeah, there you go. exactly. <laughs> nice. you missed a trick.
1: So we play a little bit of a what would you say, room opener or uh, putting our, our guests at ease. So we play this game called Or.
0: You'll probably just be annoyed by the end of it.
1: Well,
2: Bryce most <laughs> I'm of the- already at ease and I'm not annoyed, there so let's go, go for it.
1: Okay, well then let's put you even more at ease. Your bowels may release. I don't know. You'll have to we'll have to check with that after you'll be so relaxed.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna have to come back in a minute.
1: <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm
2: very relaxed.
1: It's it's really simple. I'm gonna say two things, and you're gonna say one or the other. Like Michael it. Moore or Morgan Spurlock. Ooh.
2: Michael Moore, uh, okay. for so many reasons.
1: <laughs> All right. You don't have to explain, but you can. You can give more <laughs> deeds. It's okay. That, if you don't want to, just uh, say
2: that's me. No, I just remember, watch, I remember watching Fahrenheit 9-11 and Super Size Me at around the same age, uh, very formative years, and just, you know, Uh, I don't want to see a man eat himself sick with McDonald's, so I'll go with Michael Moore. (laughs)
1: Well, and yet Michael Moore probably has done that a few times himself, so.
2: Yeah, maybe. maybe.
1: (laughs) Okay, Shaun of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead?
2: Oh, Shaun of the Dead, and I love Dawn of the Dead, but Edgar Wright is just such a a hero. He's an inspiration. Uh, He was kind enough to, uh, uh, to... politely turned down the offer to be in A Life on the Farm, actually. Whoa. He was very gracious about it. And he's a busy man, so I was surprised he even got back to me. Yeah. But, uh, wow, so... Yeah, I mean, he lit, uh, yeah he's from... Uh, he's about 15 minutes drive from where I come from, and he's about 30 minutes drive from where A Life on the Farm takes place. And He was making okay. his movies, at the same time as Charles, so right. he would have been a perfect fit. Oh, but I love awesome. and I love that movie, so that's ah, so The fact that so he close. took
0: time to say no to you
2: is
1: awesome. <laughs> what true. a gent!
2: No, 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 I will, I will always take a polite rejection oh, over yeah. nothing. So as he's opposed a to
1: ghosting, there you go. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Okay,
1: Laverne or Shirley?
2: Oh, I see what you did there.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do because you're living I where?
2: Uh Milwaukee. Yeah. I, I was literally. I was, it's funny. I was at a brewery tour. My mom came over from Ireland uh, and I took her to one of the breweries here that has some of the original props from Laverne and Shirley. So exactly. we we're singing the theme song like idiots. It's like she's <laughs> between children. Um, I'll go with Shirley. No offense to Laverne. I'm <laughs> sure I'm going right. to piss off a lot of people. with that
1: <laughs> I don't know. There's some pretty pretty big fans of both, I think. That's why they were famous for so long. This is a tough question for you and it may confuse you, but football or soccer?
2: Ah, I see what you did there. Um, I'm just going to have to go with soccer because I'd be betraying my people if I didn't. <laughs>
1: nice. All right. And, and it last... doesn't
2: last four hours. So yeah, exactly. That. It's 90 minutes in and out.
1: Nice. Uh, and the last one, Thailand or South Korea?
2: Going to go with South Korea. Uh, partially the movies. Partially. I'm not the biggest fan of Thai food. Oh, no offense to okay. people of Thailand. Yeah, no. We'll go with South Korea.
1: Nice. That, that is also my answer for that one. Uh, it's my next my next visit when I can fly international. Yes. Nice. All right. And that is it for our little game. <laughs> you survived. You and your did. diaper doesn't Thank need you. changing, I think.
0: <laughs> so we'll jump right into it. Tell us about the journey from making shorts such as The Zombies in 2005 and 28 days later in 2009 to making your first feature length, A Life on the so Farm.
2: So you... Yeah, so first of all, uh, I I thought it would be years before i bring this up. So I didn't direct the zombies. That for some reason, and I cannot explain why, that is on my IMDb. It is. I have tried getting my name taken off it for years, and every time IMDb won't let me. But I have nothing to, I don't know what that is. It mentions a bunch (laughs) of people like Lola the dog, who I've never even heard of. (laughs) <laughs> so it's a weird one. So I'm afraid I didn't do that. I did do 28 Daves later. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they
1: just thought, you know, he must have because he also did 28 Daves. Zombies,
2: Dave <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. A movie we solely made because we just found the name so funny at the time because you're an idiot in high school and we had a Frank or Dave. Nice. It's the only reason we made it. We, we like the pun title. There you go. Um, but yeah, that was just that, that was high school and that was just making dumb movies with friends. Um I've kind of—I'm one of those annoying people. I've had the bug since I was a tiny little kid. I got a camcorder, a VCR one, just like Charles at eleven. I was just making stupid shit. Went to college, met the partners I made this movie with, and we've been making stuff ever since. And we—you uh, know—one of us works in visual effects. He's worked on Star Wars, he worked on Lord of the Rings, Jurassic World. Uh, he's out in Australia now at the minute. But, um, you know, we were planning to do narrative. That's all we'd ever wanted to do. And I love docs and never thought I'd end up making one just because it's a very different world, a different skill set. And then this tape fell back into my lap and we all just looked at each other and went, we have to tell this story somehow, some way. Um, and then before you know I'm already shooting another doc out here in a couple of weeks. So I guess I'm in the doc game.
1: For the yeah, time you're, now, you're now joining the greats like Morgan Spurlock. And Michael, Michael Moore,
2: Moore. I guess, yeah. Uh,
1: which is kind of funny you mentioned. So that leads us to the next question, which is I we understand that you got the idea of this film from a videotape from your grandfather's estate. Mm. Is that true?
2: It is. So my grandfather passed away in 2006. Um, funny story because it literally came up the other day with one of my partners. Um, so he was an extra in a movie with Rachel Weiss and Anna Friel. That was shot in the same church that we filmed part of the movie in, um, and we just wanted to put that in because you know he's a movie extra. It uh, shows I'm nice. not the only one in the film industry in the family. Ten thousand dollars for fifteen seconds. So we didn't put that in, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, that killed me because it almost made the cut, and then we got that you quote just like quotes ah. holy that. Yeah. Ten thousand dollars. I just want yeah. to put it in. <laughs> oh god! You I would know. have done another. You just put case. it in and then get sued. Great. Yeah, another case started for that. Oh man. That's- but uh, yeah, so he passed. Uh, he passed away in 2006, uh, and you know we go down to the family house to go and clear out the possessions. My aunt finds this videotape, and this is the kicker. We I don't know where that videotape is, but she digitized it, put it on DVD, watched as a kid. My dad turned it off halfway through. So you have this strong first half of Charles's movie and it's just playing in the back of my mind for years and years. And we moved house, lost our copy of the DVD and it just never got brought up. And I always wondered what was on the second half of that tape. I think it was like late 2017, early 2018. I'm just, you know, bringing up in conversation with my aunt she says, well, why did you never ask? I happen to have my own copy here. So I sit down first time in over a decade as an adult this time, and I just see this movie and it's even more extraordinary than I could have imagined. And I just showed it to my partners and we thought we've got to find out who the hell this guy is and do something with this tape because it's just, it would have been, it it just would have been to everyone's detriment to just leave it sitting there as an oddity. I'm a better man for having seen it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think I I was a
2: better man for having made it, you know, it really changed some of my attitudes to to death and that kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's not just, it's that plus about humanity, right? The film is really human. Right?
2: It's just... I mean, that, you know, there's there's so much... There's only so much that a filmmaker can do. I mean, first of all, that movie is only as good as it is because of our editor. She's extraordinary. Her name's Hannah Christensen. Hire her if you're looking for an editor. She's brilliant. So I put a lot of the credit to her. I put a lot of the credit to our composer, Sam Toms, um, because I just... That score, I think, elevates her. And I think he did an Agreed. extraordinary job. But besides those two people, and there's, you know, a million people who worked on this doc... It's Charles's work, and it just speaks for itself, and I don't think the film would be as good without his footage. It's the star of the film. Oh, yeah. yeah. More so than anything the rest of us could have done with it.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, you could you could have made a documentary if you didn't have a copy of it, but people would just go, okay, uh, I want to see this movie. And actually, that's the first thing I said when I came out of the movie was, like, I need to see this movie in any one of the multiple formats. I have
2: some very, very, very very bad news for you and I forget if I brought this up in the Q&A at Calgary mm. but this gets the biggest gut punch from everyone I tell them so Charles's cousin is in the movie and he you know was his best friend his neighbor he's the one who got him into filmmaking and he was the uh the custodian of hundreds of Charles's tapes and we go to interview him and as we're leaving him packing up he says you know God uh, I wish you'd come here a few years ago and I said why So apparently, a few years before we even started making this movie, he had hundreds of these tapes and he went, Oh, they're taking up space. No one's ever going to want to see them. And he threw them away. Hundreds of tapes gone.
0: No. I was so
2: crushed. I was so crushed. And I'm absolutely praying that one thing that comes out of this movie is someone sees this and they might have a copy of a new tape.
1: Yeah. Because the only one because that they, you have you know, is the DVD bootleg from your aunt. Is that it?
2: Yeah, there's the DVD bootleg of the copy that Charles gave to my grandfather. Um, and then there is an extra little bit of footage, which is in the movie that, uh, you know, we found it on on YouTube. And that kind of spirals a whole other part of the story. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I think just because, you know, the uploader of that, you know, is quite a private person. They just, you know, privated it. and you know that's their right to do with the footage but we're just very grateful you know we were able to use that additional footage because i just love what he's doing in that Charles makes a short film with that stuff as well and it just kind of you know led to this this fan club that he had you know when he was alive and he didn't even realize it so his work was touching people outside of somerset long before you know we came into the picture and found this tape
1: right and so you think, that's it. There's two. As far as you know, there's two al- two alive.
2: There's, there's got to be more out there. There's but just, I think people would have to. Yeah. Well, hopefully I enough. i there's more out there. But.
0: People see your film. Hopefully, because of that, some will surface.
2: I really hope so. You because and me that both, mister. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing yeah. we'll buy.
1: There, we want the box know, set. There was, <laughs> there was
2: one guy who was almost in the movie. And I just don't think he was comfortable on camera whatever. But... Uh, I spent months on the line to this, you know, this landline with a horrible reception in the middle of rural England. And he claimed that he had a mixtape that Charles had made, but it was locked in a barn somewhere with a rusty lock. So I was calling every few weeks, like, "Hey, have you opened the lock to the barn?" you are, like, oh, "I'll get round to it." He finally got in. Apparently, there was nothing there. Uh, oh no! Yeah, I would. So he was into mixtapes as well. He was doing radio stuff. Who knew?
1: If you find somebody that says the same thing, tell me. I'll hop. Bryce and I'll hop on a plane. We'll bring our axe <laughs> on the plane. Oh yeah. And we will not. If that. I beat you there first, <laughs> we'll meet there together.
2: Uh, i'm up for that it's just ah oh, there's got to be more stuff out there with people who just haven't seen the film yet yes
0: so does this film get made without kickstarter
2: <sighs> yes but no one here is good so this right. this started off as a short film yeah because you know we found this footage and we'll, we'll, what the hell are we going to do we have no money you know we'd spent a couple hundred just you know like trips down to somerset from london and bristol where we were all living at the time um and you know, i thought well maybe we get this footage and we just try and put it on the road i don't know we need to check all kinds of stuff by doing that and then you know we knew locals in the area because of my family connection and you see in the movie my, my grandmother was the district nurse so she knew a lot of people so there was already a little bit of goodwill which is great And you know we built up trust in the community and there's plenty of locals in the movie um but i thought you know there'll be a little bit of a story here but Uh, every little twist and turn that we found along the way, and this took years to make, I think we've edited the movie in the same way that the audience goes on exactly the same journey we did, with all these twists and turns. And the more we found out about his life, the more we went, shit, I think we got a feature film on our hands. And it's all credit to Nick and Joe at the Found Footage Festival, who are in the movie. I interviewed them when I just moved to Milwaukee, right before the pandemic. And they just loved it so much. They wanted to come on board. They put some money into it. And we all agreed. I think we need a Kickstarter to get this made and just kind of get the message out there to even more people and make Charles's work. You know, uh, get it out to more people before we'd even made the film. So yeah, no, Kickstarter was a huge part of getting this made.
1: And how how much of a? I didn't go on Kickstarter. I just heard about yeah. the Kickstarter, but how we much? We had did raised you a couple hundred. The-
2: yeah, we, we got a couple hundred dollars uh, just above what we were asking for, which was. A huge relief. Yes. So you may, you really did make it a bit
1: on a shoestring, shoestring, blah, shoestring budget.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the biggest thing you find, and I'd warn any aspiring filmmakers out there, get a shit ton of money together for the music and footage rates. Mm. Yeah. Because we, you know, there's a tiny little bit of footage which isn't Charles's that we had to license from the BBC. And even though we got a good deal, uh, it just broke our budget. And there's all these little different bits of music that Charles had put in his footage. And we you know, went to a music coordinator and I said, is there any way we don't have to buy the rights to this music? And we went, no, you've got to pay for everything. So at one point I get this email and our music supervisor says, yeah, uh, David Burns people have been on the phone. You're going to have to write him uh, an email asking his direct permission. So it's like seven in the morning and I'm going... Hello, Mr. Byrne. Yeah. Please, can we have uh, like 10 seconds of your song uh, for very little money? We have no money. <laughs> please, please, please. So that was one of the more interesting bits of making this film is having to personally appeal to <laughs> David Byrne. He's and, not seen the film. And but, yeah. So
1: did he just say, yeah, you can have it? Or did he make you pay for it?
2: Uh. Well... We had to pay for it, but it was a hell of a lot cheaper than I would have thought, which is great. I never heard directly from him it was through the record company. Oh, but that's yeah. disappointing. Even Boone yeah. is aware of my existence, which is nice. And he's yeah. aware of Charles Carson.
1: Except he didn't say no, so he doesn't get the same level that Geraint
2: that <laughs> <Yeah. Wright> gets. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, All right, no.
1: so the question that always oh, on everybody's mind. Cat?
2: <laughs> Cat's. <laughs> Cats, plural. Great movie. A masterpiece. Tom <laughs> Hooper is famous. But no, no, no. Definitely not, no. This is the second least horrifying movie featuring cats. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly.
1: Thank you for letting yeah. everybody know, because we also agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. And so tell us tell us a little bit about The Cat, which is a
2: bit of a... Um...
0: And the other various animals. I mean, that was a yeah. big part of his life,
2: obviously. Mm. I mean, it's a life on the farm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no. The movie, Charles's movie, I should say, called Life on the Farm, I've always had to clear that up with people because yeah. they get the names mixed up. Because it's a,
1: a, changes a lot yeah. of
2: things. We, we are A, Life on the Farm. His film is Life on the Farm. Yes. So, you know, as a kid and even now, you start watching the movie and, you know, it's kind of a little bit quirky and a little bit amateurish and a little bit shoddy, but, you know, entertaining. And then he sits down with uh, one of his cats doing what you think is just sleeping in a chair. And then he picks it up. Rigor mortis is, you know, kicked in. And it's at that point you realise, oh, okay, this might be a little bit unusual. And he gives it this very, you know, elaborate funeral where... And he decides to leave this in because he clearly loves so much that one of the cats is in a tree and jumps onto his back to get onto the ground. He starts putting cat food down by the grave of this cat. And he's staging these animals. He's an animal handler. At so <laughs> that moment, one, I thought we got something really special. Two, this is a guy who is he's really trying to make a film. He's not just going, here's all this random shit yeah. on a farm look at my life. Yeah. He's constructing stuff. At yeah. that point, you know, we're dealing with a filmmaker and I can take this art seriously because he takes it seriously. He's yeah. staging the stuff. He's a self-taught editor. And you know, in the kind of the eighties, nineties, in the middle of nowhere, to learn how to edit tape. That's not easy. Like no. it takes time VHS, and commitment and money. VHS. Exactly, it's not easy. Um, and he won this competition, I love this. He won this competition, he got offered an interactive CD player. Ah, the early to mid nineties. Chef's kiss. And he turned it down in exchange for another VCR so we could keep <laughs> editing the way he edited. <laughs> And that's just commitment to the craft.
1: Man. No doubt, right? And just imagine the how, if he has to edit something like 17 times, the quality of that VHS every time.
2: <laughs> every little generation. And we found that there's a little bit in the movie where we're editing a sequence and we passed his footage through a tape, I think. I think we did 14 different times to get this, you know, gradual degradation of the footage. Yeah. And it just looks like something out of a horror film. <laughs> But it, it, I love playing around with the look of VHS because you get a lot of movies now where they do the VHS aesthetic, but they just add a digital filter on and it, it pisses me off whether or not the film's good. You know?
1: It's it's so good.
2: So, so good. Yeah. Just like get down there, like get your hands dirty and really get to grips with the VHS tape if you're going to do that. Nice.
0: <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh, just curious... This would be pure speculation, but in your opinion, how much was this Charles himself in his films, and how much was him performing for the camera a little bit?
2: Mm. It's tricky, because, you know, you look at the stuff, and I feel like the the performer and the man kind of blur one into the other. Um, he's very clearly playing up a bit to the tape, but, I mean, speculation, let's go 75% the man, 25% the performer. And I think that's why I love it. It doesn't feel awkward or fake it's just it's him being very genuine and very authentic
1: yeah which it comes across so well and even just you know not just the films themselves but your ability to pull that out of the people that he was surrounded by do you know what i mean like there's yeah you, you did an amazing job on that like to your point i think with this film being starting as a as a short and making its way into a full feature a lot of directors and i got to give you a lot of kudos to this we we see a shit ton that's the technical term of movies <laughs> like i mean a shit yeah. ton of films and there's not very many directors you you, you can see that it, for a lot of directors that try and start with a short and then try and build it to a dock and full dock and don't have that level of of ability to, to make the emotions come out like you did in this film. So absolutely, kudos well, to you. Well, thank you. Kudos I to was
2: you. very, very resistant to making this a feature because I love docs and the amount of docs that you see where you think this would make a great 20, 30 minute short. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they drag it out to hit yes! the 90 minute mark. And it's just such a damn shame. So we I kept pushing for us not to make this a feature because if we're gonna make a feature, yeah it better damn well, you know, keep your attention and deserve the runtime. So, you know, we whittled this down from a four-hour cut to a two-hour cut to a 90-minute cut. I still think we could probably lose a couple of minutes to get it down to 70. But (laughs) the story, you know, I know. But the the story kind of like, you know, you you work with what it gives you. So everything we do, it's what the story demands. So we're just, you know, organically making this as long as it is or as short as it is. It took a lot because, you know, to make your first feature, one is a hell of an undertaking. Two, you better be damn sure you have a story that can keep people's attention. Because yeah. it's a, it's a lot to ask people to even, you know, the movie's 75 minutes, an hour and 15. That's a lot to ask people to, you know, take time out of their day or hire a babysitter and, you know, come down to a movie theater. You know, 90 is too much because we looked at it as like 90, we're going to lose people. 75 is a little bit of a stretch, but I think we just about get away with it.
1: Oh, yeah, you absolutely get away with it. And the I'll just you. add one more thing before I move on to the rest of our questions. But the, sure. the reason that we connected is because somebody, I think it was on Twitter or on Instagram, actually asked, what was my favorite movie so far this year? And I actually put a life on the farm and then you you tagged me on it because of it you actually said hey
2: thanks (laughs) (laughs) no it it absolutely means the world like any filmmaker like you spend fucking years of your life and it just I have a lot more grey hairs than I did at the start of this thing and just to have someone who you've never met before say I love this movie it, it really means the world you know like we've been very fortunate that generally the reception has been pretty positive. Uh, and once you start to hear good stuff from people who aren't friends and family, that's when you know you're kind of onto a good thing. Yeah.
1: Yes. We we didn't we don't come by the name Film Rage. Difficult. We do our fair share of raging.
2: So- You how, are not easy to please. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. How many how many years do you think he actually was made? I mean, uh, on, I know you maybe only had so much footage, but in your discussions right. with people, how, how many years do you think he was doing this?
2: So I'm just going to take an educated guess based from the little bit of detective work that we've been able to piece together. Because, slight tangent, you meet all these people from different facets of his life. And a lot of them didn't know what he was doing. They didn't know he was making films where they lived, you know, 20 minutes away from him Or they'd known him back when he was, you know, teaching at one of the top agricultural colleges in the UK. And you're telling them stuff about the life of this guy they knew that they had never known. But um, sorry, I lost the question. The brain fart.
1: <laughs> no, just how many years do you yeah. think he was? Uh, he was right. Yeah. It? So you got your I'm gonna going, make, which <laughs> right, is great. Exactly, yeah. I love tangents. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna take a guess from around eighty-six to ninety-six, roughly, and it might be actually closer to. 86 to 98. I'm going to go and say he had at least a solid decade of filmmaking. In filmmaking. And that was just when he got back to the farm, right? Yeah, he, he moved back to the farm. You know, he, he had you know spent years building up his own life for himself up in the north of England. And then he came back to care for his family and the family farm. And thanks to his cousin, who's in the movie, he found this creative outlet. And that was his filmmaking. It was his photography. It was all these little cards that he would make for friends and neighbors and family, with you know speech bubbles on them. Someone in the movie describes them as something like you know Monty Python would have done, yeah. and it does look like something like Terry well, Gilliam. Oh bit, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God, I would have loved to be done a stop motion animation oh, by Terry Gilliam. Oh, yeah. And he'd done mixtapes. So who knows? There's, there's honestly so much we don't know. And I think we've been pretty damn thorough, and speak spoken to so many people who knew him at different facets of his life, and it's been like piecing together a jigsaw puzzle. And I know there's more that we haven't been able to find. Wow, there's going to be part two. So I'm hoping that other little bits of the story will, uh, yeah, maybe there'll be a part two.
0: (laughs) So, uh, how willing were the residents of Somerset uh, to open up about their Charles Carson
2: experiences? Yeah, Um, you know, with any documentary you've got to develop relationships and build trust and make sure people are comfortable. And when you have a central subject who passed away, you know, who can't speak for himself, you know, people are a little bit reticent, but as I say, we had a a lot of goodwill going in because people knew my grandparents who lived in the area for decades. So that helped and they knew my dad and some of them, you know, vaguely remembered me as a tiny little kid, even if I didn't remember them. So that helps, but you know, it takes a little bit of warming up you know you've got to introduce yourselves a lot of the time we would send out letters first so you're not cold calling people wherever you can uh, and it just gives them a little bit of time to think about it and you know a lot of these people they told me in the start oh i don't remember much and about two three hours later when you've stopped recording they've given you years yeah. of stories and they remembered everything about him and even then you know they want to make sure that one you're making them look good on camera And two, that you're doing right by this guy who they knew. And he was a kind man. He was a family man. Uh, You know, he was just a good person and a a teacher. And, you know, that was the main thing. We wanted to make sure that this was respectful. Mm -hmm. And I think that we really leaned into it at the start of trying to present the kind of film that this could have been. And by the end, it's the kind of film that avoids what that could have been. So you watch that intro and you watch the trailer and it looks like a million, you know, generic... Netflix true crime docs painting this guy to be someone he's not because you know you get local eccentrics and I think you just immediately you know have a negative first impression now the more you dig into Charles in this case or it could be anyone else you realize that there's a human being there and I saw this wonderful review online that says you know by the end of this film, I realized that we're the weirdos and he's the normal one. And I genuinely believe that because he's got these attitudes to life and death that, you know, he's a, he was ahead of his time by decades. He's a surprisingly Absolutely. progressive thinker. And, you know, I've, I've been in the audience for movie, you know, the, the screenings of this and people's reactions at the start and at the end are just like night and day. Oh, yeah. So, so far, I think we've really, you know, done our job and set up to do what we achieved to, which is, you know make you think again about you know the kind of person who you might cross the street to avoid on first glance
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. anyone in overalls that usually makes me do i usually think of cha- texas chainsaw <laughs> when i see overalls yeah. but so right. c- can't help but notice the lack of the carson
0: family's participation yeah. in this did they support the project
2: yeah so from the, from the moment we started this, we wanted family involvement, right? Because mm-hmm. first of all, it's it's a dad, it's a cousin, it's a, a husband, that kind of thing. So, and also it just makes for a stronger story if you're hearing from the people who knew him best. So we are incredibly lucky that we did get Charlie yeah. who knew Charles. I know Charles Charlie and everyone who knew Charles Carson refers to him as Charlie. It got very confusing. Uh, <laughs> Charlie's Charlie's in the movie. He gave us hours of his time. We interviewed him multiple times. He's been amazing. He's one of my favorite interview subjects in the film. Uh, and, you know, we really learned about Charles as a human being through him. And we did reach out to the kids. Uh, you know, as you see in the movie, uh, his wife very sadly passed away years before we were even making this. Um, and, you know, there are little clips where you know the, the children are visible, but we've uh, we've blurred out the faces because we just want to respect their privacy. And you know, there's only so much that we can know about you know a person's relationship with with their dad, with their mom, with you know their son, their daughter. Um, and you know, I, I you know I respect their privacy, and we sent them a copy of the film. I haven't heard back from them, but I you know I, I really hope they like it and they think we've we've done him proud because a lot of the people who knew him have seen the film. I just kind of relieved that, you know, this really shows him for who he was. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it, it it doesn't paint a negative picture by any means. Or if anybody did interpret it as that, I think they're not viewing it through a clear lens, I would say.
2: Right. And, you know, I just think what a waste of time it would have been to spend years of our life putting energy and resource into this to just make this kind of mean spirit and to laugh at him and to not be thorough in research. I mean, you gotta be a special kind of dickhead to just spend years of your life making fun of someone. And that's all you intend to do. Because on first glance with that footage, you do laugh at it because yeah. it's just it's so extraordinary yeah but then you know the more you watch and the more you learn about the man who made this and how he made this and he really gave a shit about making this yeah you laugh with him and that is the journey that everyone who you know we interviewed also yeah. went on kind of and- watching this stuff you know some of the locals would think oh here's charles the eccentric but then you know they see the footage and they hear more of his life that we knew but they didn't and just there's a whole new level of respect and admiration from from the people in Europe.
1: Yeah, I mean, you that's that's just it. It goes from the laugh part to the fully on respecting this guy. Like this guy has mad, mad skills, both at farming and in life and, you know, just filmmaking. He's just, he's a... No, he, he's a, he's
2: achieved more in a lifetime than I think a lot of us have yeah. or will, yeah. really. Yeah, agreed
1: so we you kind of already mentioned a little bit so we were lucky enough to see this at Calgary Underground Film Festival which is a festival that we're heavily involved with in fact I'm on the previewing team but I'm not not one of the head programmers but uh, so I, I didn't get to see it until it actually was in cinemas for the first time so where where is it playing where can other people see it around the world we have listeners from all over the world so if 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 they're going to be going to some festivals and, and why is this not playing ev- absolutely in every theater <laughs> everywhere, or is it still just doing the festival
2: circuit right now? We're still very much on the festival circuit. So I hate to be that guy. We have got into a couple of, in one week we got into three huge international film festivals. that i nice. have always dreamed of going to let alone having a movie. in. And I can tell you one of them, and that's Fantasia Montreal, which Ooh. I am so excited with playing Fantasia. They always have nice. an incredible lineup. Nice. I can't tell you the other two yet. And I, I truly wish I could. <laughs> one of them is our UK and European premiere. That's all I can say, but I nice. just, I, it's been a dream since a kid to get into that particular festival. Big one in the States. Uh, what I can tell you is we are playing uh, all across our sta- uh, Australia for the entire month of July. Oh, that's Which awesome. is awesome.
1: In festivals or two, in cinema?
2: Yeah. Uh, sort of in both so uh we are playing uh the melbourne documentary film festival uh, across all of australia online for the whole month of july except the region of western australia the reason for that being because we are playing in theaters as part of the revelation perth film festival on the 10th and the 17th of july and then straight after that we are gonna be streaming online uh, for you know the second half of July uh, with Revelation through their online platform. So you have all of July, yeah. if you're in Australia to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't be happier. I have family in Australia. I love Australian cinema. So, and uh, our production uh, partner, the assistant director in this, Dom Platton, uh, he lives in Australia. So oh, he's gonna be going out and representing nice. us all across the continent. So you're not gonna get over awesome.
1: to, to Aussie land. Uh,
2: I, I can't, unfortunately. I would love to. I, I really would. But, uh, you know, there's plenty going on here in the States and Canada to keep me busy. Nice. So
1: are you going to try yeah. and hit some? Are you going to try and get to Montreal?
2: I would absolutely love to. Uh, part of the problem is I'm already in uh, production for one dock. And, you know, when you've got money and you've got crew available at certain points, yep. you, you, know, take you it. have to go and shoot. And, there's a window. So I, I, I'm hoping I can make it. I might not. Uh, but I, I'm going to make sure that we have some kind of in-person presence in Montreal. Like I wouldn't miss it for the world, whether it's virtual or in-person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, Because uh, Canada has been so good to us so far, like Calgary, underground were absolutely amazing. Fantasia have been great. I know it's a stereotype that Canadians are very nice people. But it's a very positive stereotype.
1: <laughs> nice. And, and so you talked a little bit earlier about Nick and Joe and Nick and Joe are big, 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 I guess I would say big. In Calgary, they're they're very connected yeah. to Calgary Underground Film Festival, and so did they ever did they tell you about Calgary beforehand or because I mean they are literally I think they come here every year yeah for yeah, probably the last
2: yeah, yeah. no um, I I was very much a, I was very much aware of the festival years before I'd even met Nick and Joe, and then they just so happened to go have you considered Calgary Underground well yeah funnily enough I have actually guys <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, it's great that they have ties to it. Um, and I believe a couple of days ago, their documentary, which is doing yep. amazingly well, the story of them and their epic lawsuit yep. and their fight against evil, uh, yeah, Chop and Steel. So that played... played tri- I'm so excited to see it. I'm <laughs> yeah. so excited to see it. Yeah, just- but yeah, it played Tribeca and it did amazingly well. Uh, they were meant to be there in Calgary and then they got stuck in Minneapolis in airport, airport because of the weather. Yeah, we heard, which sucks. we heard actually. We were heartbroken. <laughs> absolutely sucks. We were heartbroken. You know. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a great year for them between both these docks, Uh And and still looks amazing. So I'm really excited to see it. Uh-huh. So, Martin Scorsese, is
0: he as cool as he seems in real life? Uh, uh, over email, he
2: certainly is, Oh, yeah.
1: so is that it? That, you got <laughs> know, to interview him by email?
2: Yeah, uh, it was meant to be over the phone, and then it got switched for the last second, but you don't wow. turn that down. Yeah. You don't oh, turn that You down. didn't even so, get to
1: talk to him? You though? didn't even get to talk to him. So Oh no. You sent an email One and day. mailed you back?
2: Or were you doing no, it took a live chat? With it him? took about Yeah, it took about nine months to arrange that. And that was back when I was writing about African cinema, which is a real passion of mine, for another website. Um and I just I sent this email out of the blue to his reps and I thought there's no way they'll respond. Yeah, Martin would be happy to. <laughs> Just like that. So it was meant to be over the phone originally. Right. And then it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And funnily enough, he's an incredibly busy man. I think he was in the middle of doing The Irishman when we were um, getting it set up. So we had other things going on. Yeah, sorry, Bob. Sorry, Al. i got to talk to this random British guy uh, about African film. Can we just hold on to set for a minute? So, you know, I, I will take having technically spoken to him over email.
1: Nice. Um,
2: but yeah, no, his whole team are just the loveliest people. Um, because that's his real passion project, is finding classic movies from all over the world and preserving them. And, you know... I think the film bros tend to forget about that, and they just focus on Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. But yeah, the guy truly loves cinema. I mean, yeah. I've always loved his movies. Uh, I'm one of the ten people who like Silence and Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. Oh, um, love but Last yeah. Temptation of Christ. <laughs> so, really good movie. So you brought Perfect it, date movie. You, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you brought Perfect it up. Date movie.
0: How did you yeah. get involved with uh, African cinema, and are you still involved?
2: Yeah, still involved uh, quite a bit less than they used to be just because, you know, this film took off and, you know, I had to drop a whole load of commitments. But, um, you know, I went out there. When was it? 2013. I went to this tiny little African island called Zanzibar. And I didn't know a whole lot about African movies, but just someone who loves movies in general. And even at that point, you know, I was into world cinema. Uh, and I went over there and I got friendly with the guy who runs the film festival there. And it just it genuinely surprised me that you've got one of the biggest continents on Earth You've got 54 different countries. You know, people talk about Kurosawa. They talk about Jean-Luc Godard, uh, you know, Denis Villeneuve, you know, Wong Kar-wai, Bong Joon-ho. I'm just throwing out names now, I'll stop. But uh, how come no one ever talks about African movies? I just, it, it, it blew my mind. So it was more just out of genuine curiosity and it just, you know, it, again, the film bros really kind of miss out a lot of this stuff. There's a few exceptions, but you're missing all these incredible movies. Uh, on the one side, on the kind of Mondo Gonzo side, you've got Kill Captain Alex, which I fucking adore unironically. Yes. But that's only one side to it. Yeah. But then you've got masters like uh, Osman Sanben, you've got Jibril, Jotman Betty. Um, you know, Ryan there's movies Huger. that people. Ryan Kruger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's an up and coming South African director. Uh, I I don't know. I'm trying to think. Kind of the up and comers. I know Cedric Edo, He's awesome. Uh, what What's Ryan done? Oh, he's
1: only done one of the best movies of last year. It's Br- It was Bryce's favorite movie. Oh, was it Saloon? What's
2: that? Oh, was it Saloon? No, it was no. Fried Berry. <laughs> Okay, I do Oh my god, yes, I have heard of this. It's Shudder It looks sick. Yes, it's, nice. It, is it sick. will
0: melt your brain. Oh,
2: I'm going to watch that tonight. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: Although we did see nice. Salome at um, at uh, Cuff, so. Which is also one of I
2: I it was playing the Morky Film Festival and I missed it and I was so upset. I desperately want to see Salome. Uh, what are other good African movies that I'd recommend? Uh, Hyenas might be my favorite African movie that I'd recommend to everyone. You know, Hyenas is an amazing one. They just did a 4K transfer of it. People,
1: it's funny though, right, that you say that because Africa is a continent. It's not a country. People just by absolutely go, oh, yeah, you know, African cinema. I'm like, you mean like right. Ethiopian cinema or Sudanese yeah. cinema or South Africa? You know, like, it's like there's so many countries
2: and they're all... or right. no, no one says Asian cinema, do they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess sometimes they do, but I mean, not yeah. us. Like, our, right. our just, jam is yeah. international dramas, actually, to be quite honest, between the two of us. So we, we get nice. to see as much international film as, as our, we're allowed to see, so...
2: Uh oh god, another one that's great. It's a fantasy epic. It's called Yeelin. Oh. Um Yeah, and that is from the Ivory Coast. But uh yeah, en it's Francais. basically uh. Ha-ha. Um Wee <laughs> wee. <Oui, oui>. No. <laughs> but of course. No, uh it is uh, <laughs> uh I I feel like a complete ignoramus because I forget the dialect that Yelin is in, but it's this fucking awesome fantasy drama. Uh, I think it's still on Criterion. I would highly recommend it. Uh, oh, nice. My favourite African movie no one ever talks about, and it's a great drama, is called Adangaman. No one ever talks about it. Hmm. Uh, but uh, it's the true story of King Adangaman, who, 15th, 16th century, he was a king who was rounding up people for the uh, the transatlantic slave trade, and then ultimately ended up as a slave oh. himself. He got captured and dragged away to the West um but yeah it's got stunning cinematography and no one ever talks about a Man. um huh. and yeah it got released by i think the new yorker used to do uh world cinema releases yeah i think it was the new yorker don't quote me on that um but yeah I, i've got like one of the few dvd copies that's floating around i don't know if you can get it on streaming which sucks uh... there's one african movie i would love to share with everyone well, that and who killed captain alex because it's so fun <laughs> it's so
0: fun i i literally i have a wakali wood t-shirt
2: so. yeah he does probably. yeah me too <laughs> yeah. me too
1: it, it's it's our yeah. goal and a fridge
0: magnet and some yeah. other, oh and a giant poster yeah, <laughs> yeah he, we're pretty no,
2: i got to interview it, isaac nabuana a couple years ago and it was so fun He's yeah. such a nice oh, guy.
1: He is. He. We're actually. Yeah. I feel blessed because he. We're friends on Facebook. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's nice. No, there's a great documentary um, by an amazing filmmaker called Catherine Susberg, uh called uh, "Once Upon a Time in Uganda." I think it yeah. might have played Calgary. Yeah, we yeah. yeah. seen it. You we were there. Yep. It yeah. was one. Awesome it was, doc. It yeah. was.
1: It was one of our second favorites docs.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, it's cool. a great gateway to African cinema, oh. and I oh, know yeah. that like. Yeah, some people say, "Oh, you're perpetuating negative stereotypes of being shitty and low budget." But it's like Charles—people who get snotty like that—they're just missing the the passion in it. Like oh, yeah. his story is incredible. There's, like that one it's of the most fa- one joy. of the most famous scenes. Yeah. I know it's so joyful. <laughs> one of those one of the most famous scenes where this awful CGI helicopter flattens a building. Yes! That was based on what happened to him during I the know. Ugandan civil war. Oh
1: my god! It's just yes. nuts. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like he, he trained all these people to, you know, learn Kung Fu. And yeah. it's like uh VJM he says everybody in Uganda knows Kung Fu. Yes, of course. VJM. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know God, that. And then he got to go on. to China
2: <laughs> And then he finally got to go to China to go and like, you know, yeah. learn more about the martial arts out there. Oh man, I just I admire the hell. Movie, movie, I,
1: movie. Like, movie, 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 movie.
2: Adore that movie. Yeah, <laughs> so good. But uh, Bad Black is great as well. And crazy World. Crazy, oh, World. crazy World. Crazy oh, World. Yeah. Crazy World. Crazy World is sick.
1: Yeah, Crazy World. Played oh, I love too,
2: it. So we got to see that in cinemas. I think Cinemax. I might even prefer it to Captain Alex. That's yeah. how much I love it Crazy was World. was so good. Well, you
1: know what? You, you just we got to save our money and all three of us go over there and be in a Wakaliwood we'll feature.
2: Oh my I think, yeah, I think about that a lot. I, I really <laughs> think about doing that a lot. Nice. That'd be okay. Sick.
1: Okay, yeah. so you went from Bristol to Milwaukee. You kind of alluded a little bit to it, but that's a huge change.
2: Quite a jump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, I was, uh, yeah, so I was, I was in college in the UK to my undergrad there and they offer an exchange year. So I just thought, well, you know, I did American studies. It'd be pretty stupid not to go to America. So you look at the sister programs, uh, the sister colleges that are kind of tied to your, your British college, uh, and you have a preference sheet. So obviously being 19, uh, and thinking movies, you assume California. So the yeah. top three I'd put down, at like, uh, you know, UC colleges. Um, I had a good friend who's a, a screenwriter in Hollywood who went to a place in Massachusetts. That was my fourth choice. And I didn't know what to put for my fifth choice. There was a whole bunch of places that I wasn't too fussed about going to. Uh, and then I just saw there was something in the Hollywood Reporter, and they put UWM, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's film school, um, as one of its top 20 film schools in the world. And I was already a huge fan of American movie. I love that movie. Uh, so I went, screw it. I put it as my fifth choice. There's no way I'm even going to end up there. Maybe I'll end up in Massachusetts. I get a letter a few months later saying, so congratulations, you're going to Milwaukee. First thing I did was go into Google Maps and find out where the fuck there it was. is. What the Milwaukee. is. But then it's you like, found out there was
1: yeah. cheese and beer, and you're like, okay, fuck all those other places. What
2: more? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just got a, a really good winter coat. exactly. It's really fucking cold Pack your winter yeah. coat. It's really fucking cold. <laughs> But I, I love this city. I've called it home now, like permanently for the last three years. Um, but yeah, no, I, I met my, when I did my exchange, I met my now wife there and we did long distance for us. I was going back and forth between Bristol and Milwaukee. And then yeah, finally got a job out here uh, and moved out here three years ago, uh, right as we'd started shooting a life on the farm. And I just said to the guys, look, you know, I come back every couple months. Uh, we'll wrap everything in the summer of 2020. We'll get the film done nice and early. And then COVID happened, uh, and I felt a little bit guilty when you said you've done such a good job with the interviewees. I wasn't present when half the film was shot. Oh, okay. Which is a horrible way to make a movie. I would not recommend it. I never want to do it again. But when you've got all this money on the line and you know expectations, you just have to get going. Yeah. So I shot as much as I could here in the States, but we hired a crew to go out to L.A. to shoot people. We hired a crew to go out to New York to shoot people. I couldn't do those. So I'm in Milwaukee. I'm in the North Woods of Wisconsin. I go up to the UP in Michigan. I go to Des Plaines in Illinois. I'm covering that side of it. And then, yeah, Dom and Ed, I've known them since college. We made this movie together. We're making other stuff together. And I couldn't have made it without them. Like, you know, it's my name as the director, but really there's three directors on this thing. Yeah, yeah. So they have to go and shoot a huge chunk of this movie on their own in rural Somerset. And, you know, that's tricky because people know me through my grandparents and I have to, you know, uh, over WhatsApp, over Skype with bad reception in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of these people are hard of hearing. So I spend hours of my day screaming down the phone at these people in their 80s and 90s, trying to just convince them to be in the movie and that, you know, we're (laughs) doing right by Charles. And then tell them, great. So you're not going to meet me. You're going to meet these other two guys. I promise they're on the level. Um, (laughs) But, you know. They just did this incredible job, uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to make the movie is, you know, apart from Hot Fuzz and Straw Dogs, <laughs> no one really, no one ever really shoots that part of the UK, and the the scenery there is stunning. And we just wanted to get as much of that in the movie as possible to showcase the place as well as the man. So I think we did that right. Ed Lomas was the cinematographer, and he just did the most incredible job capturing all this scenery.
1: It's it was it's stunning. It's really stunning. Go Badgers. Yeah, go Badgers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, nice. Go pack, go Bucks, go Brews. <laughs> yes. All of the above.
1: So Sonderbar Sonderbar? Is that what it's pronounced?
2: That's the one. It's German.
1: Sonderbar? Yeah. Sonderbar. Sonderbar.
2: Sounder <laughs> We always we always pronounce it like that. It's Sunderbar. um. It's a it's a play on Wunderbar. So uh one of our, one of the partners, Dom is German. And he just suggests the name. We loved it because it literally there's no English translation. But the easiest way to describe it is weird, strange, unusual. And we thought, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Kind like, of sums up the stuff we're making.
1: It's like when you find the Wonder Bar chocolate bar on in yeah. the pirate's chest and you go,
2: "Sunderbar." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Let's say it's exactly like that.
1: So you're, you're working
2: on something. Right now, mm. and when's that? Very to be early finished? stages. Oh, so we still uh, got a time. Yeah. Now, that, that is going to take a while, uh, and we're keeping a lot under wraps. All I can tell you is it's about an exiled ruler who claimed a huge chunk of Antarctica. And that's all I can say. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're shooting here uh, in Wisconsin. Um, the subject is the loveliest person. But yeah, uh, still can't say a lot about that yet we're still working on that. That's the big thing
1: Stay tuned, as they say. Yeah. Stay tuned. So, do you have anything else you think we need to squeeze out of him? Mm,
0: I don't know. Is there anything else that he wants to uh, tell the world? Tell
1: the world.
2: Um, I mean, all I can think is uh, the assistant director on this, Dom Platten, Uh, He's shot this incredible documentary um, about another wonderful old man with an extraordinary story. It's called Heimat, which is German for home. Um, And it's about a child refugee in uh, what was then called Czechoslovakia. So the story takes place between uh, Manchester in England, Germany and uh, the Czech Republic. Hmm. Uh, And that is going to be hitting the festival circuit very soon. It's very different from *A life on the farm. It's not particularly funny. It's this very serious... You know wartime story about child refugees um we shot this before the invasion uh and the war against ukraine but it's got all these you know really surprising timely parallels so uh i feel you know it's very unfortunate that it is a very timely story um but yeah we're very excited uh, to start showing high to the world yeah, so don't oh. go in expecting cat funerals no. and cowbirds uh, and funny stuff. But yeah, that's our next big thing that we're starting to get out there.
1: Okay, and that's I'm putting it—it's it. under your production company too.
2: Yeah, that's us on the puppet Oh,
1: nice, fantastic! I, I, that sounds like you're going to be putting out a couple things a year then.
2: Yeah, we yeah we're busy, <laughs> which is nice. Better you're working full
1: that. time and making making a living, so that's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's the hard part.
1: <laughs> I'm making a living. Well, we cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us. And again, we absolutely loved your film, and we want every single person on the planet to see this film before they die, uh, which who knows when we will. But now I know I can die happy. So we we'd like to thank Oscar for his movie, A Life on the Farm, and and it sounds like it's going to be playing in a bunch of festival's coming up this year so everybody please 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 please, please go see it and uh, thank you have anything else you want to say before we sign off
2: thanks for having me uh subscribe and listen to the best damn film podcast out there all right <laughs> awesome continued
1: success my friend yeah continued success well uh thanks ragers for listening thanks to the extended film rage family you can find them on our show notes And uh, find us everywhere at filmrageyyc.com or filmrageyyc on social media. Check out everything that we do. And please, whatever you do, please, please, please make us rage. But not this movie. That's it for today. Rage on. Rage on.